faithwire.com. CNN Plus is shutting down after just one month in existence. Today is Friday, April 22nd, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. We'd love to have you with us as we go through the news of the day, the Christian perspective. With me today, as always, Trey Gones Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire with a quick look at what's coming up on the podcast today. Guys, happy Friday to you. What's going on? We've made it. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm excited about this uh, <laughs> About the CNN plus now CNN minus <laughs> story, um, so I don't know if I should say that, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm looking forward to hearing this story. Well, I don't think conversely, Trey, I don't think a lot of people are disappointed given the way things went down. So, well, all five subscribers are upset. <laughs> Look at Trey rejoicing in the sorrows of an entire network. <laughs> so I now I do hope that anybody who lost their job finds a a good position somewhere else. Cause I don't want to see people losing their no, jobs, yeah. but no. like poor, I don't know. Poor I just... Chris Wallace, he's making $10 million a year now to, to right. watch Netflix. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to be talking about the latest with Elon Musk and his, uh, his latest bid in this uh, war with Twitter. Hmm. I will be talking about Laura Beth Perry. She lived as a transgender man for nine years and has an crazy, incredible story of how she found Christ and transformed her entire life. All right. Looking forward to those stories on the podcast coming up. We're going to dive right in here with Trey's favorite story of the week. (laughs) CNN Plus is uh, dead on arrival. It it lasted a month. If you're going to look at its tombstone, it's born march 2022 death april 2022 something had to happen behind the scenes because regardless of how sour the launch was you don't just you wouldn't just give up after investing 300 million dollars into this thing you'd at least try to grow it here's a few of the details here warner bros discovery that's the new newly combined company that includes warner media and discovery they decided to shut down cnn plus and it's going to stop on april 30th that's in just nine days so if you're if you're hankering for some CNN Plus, go get it in now. The next <laughs> oh, you I'm are sorry. Terrible. I'm sorry. It just sounds so funny. <laughs> so, so bad. I mean, I don't know. It's like one of those things. Nobody asked for this, right? And yet it was delivered. It, what is crazy, though, is the amount of money that had to have been wasted. But anyway. Yeah, I know. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. <laughs> I was just trying to help you. Show, but uh, this is derailed. Uh, it is derailed. You know those scene. You know those uh, clips, those outtakes from a movie when the actors get the get the giggles and they just can't stop. I, I feel like I have that right now because all I could think about is, you know, everybody. It's become a meme like Netflix and chill. I don't. I don't think CNN Plus and chill was ever going to be a meme. I don't know that that was going to take off. I don't think that no. was going to take normally, off. <laughs> so normally it's outtakes that are left out of the movie, but for all of you listeners, we're leaving it we're in. We're just leaving it in because <laughs> whatever. So why the short reign here? You would think, as I said, that even even if you were only going to give it a short leash, a month obviously is not enough for them to at least try to turn the ship around, try to start gaining some, some momentum. 
Um, something else had to be at play here. And so according to Axios, the service was shut down because CNN and its new parent company disagreed over whether this was a well-placed long-term investment or not. So CNN's original plan was for uh, the streaming service to become profitable in four years, but they were going to have to invest a billion dollars into the service. And that's crazy, guys, because, you know, you hear Netflix. I mean, they are just pumping billions into programming. Um, And so the fact that they were going to start by doing that is pretty aggressive. And so I can see why that would... um, you know, have some people in disagreement, especially after a merger situation. Because you look at Fox News guys, and they have Fox Nation, and I think they've done it a little bit more conservatively. The conservatively, the way they have started their streaming network, they did a lot of the the programming in house with hosts they already have, and um, just it, it seemed you know probably licensed some other content, but they didn't seem to spend quite the level of money that CNN put into to their service. So uh, that seems like a more conservative way to run it, a more uh, measured way to run it. But CNN was just planning to just dump so much money in there. And the other interesting thing, guys, is the timing of this re- of the launch for CNN Plus because the merger happened and the ne- the streaming network was launched just before that. And so that has some people theorizing that maybe with these disagreements within CNN that either out of spite or maybe the some people at CNN wanted CNN Plus to be forced into existence, they tried to launch it ahead of time to sort of force the hand of the new parent company um, and basically make it in existence so that they couldn't take it away. But they just said, nope, we're taking it away anyway, which is really remarkable. You just don't see something like that happen uh, very often. So... Um, sources now are saying this again, according to Axios's report that Warner Bros Discovery, they're considering adding CNN plus programming to CNN's existing app, which is free and ad supported. And then other content might end up on HBO Max. Uh, why does it matter? Well, I, look, we're in a modern market here, guys, for consuming media. And so it's interesting to see it's, And I think it kind of tips the hand as to what people want. I mean, people definitely seem like they were not interested in what CNN was offering, because aside from the disagreement with the parent company there, the, the all the reports were that there just wasn't a lot of interest in subscriptions. Yeah, I mean, it just it's not quite making sense to me. If you were going to do this, I mean, Fox did this a couple of years ago, right? With Fox Nation. Like, why would you wait this far in the game when there's this much competition going on? Netflix lost 200,000. They're poised to lose 2 million. You know, next quarter, these streamers are all competing with each other and they're just so late to the game. But to pour in that much money, that upfront, it seemed like Fox, and by the way, Fox had practiced this years before with Fox News yeah. Live in the strategy room. Um, which I was actually a part of a long time ago. So they had a history. CNN just kind of like, oh, here we are, and we're going to spend a billion dollars. It just doesn't It doesn't it, make sense from a strategy. No, and, it, and I think it shows a little bit of the arrogance, too. They just think, we're CNN, yeah. and everyone's going to come and watch us. And no, <laughs> they're not. They're not even like Chris Wallace. If you think he's a good reporter or whatever, it's just that when you talk about streaming, you're not going to be able to generate people to move their wallets to get somebody to watch Chris Wallace do an interview. It's just not the type of thing that really, you know, like you said, there's so many options out there. You really have to move someone 
to care about what you're doing rather than just think, oh, they're they're decent. You know, you're not going to it takes a lot for people to part with a subscription and, and get in there and actually sign up for something. So it's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. And Billy, you said that CNN was late to the game. I don't even know that they know what the game is uh, because <laughs> they were going to be launching this CNN Plus, which is just an extension of news. Nobody, nobody wants the news to begin with on any network because people <laughs> just don't watch we like people just don't watch news as like they used to. Uh, so uh, even like, if you look at Fox nation, a lot of the stuff they have is like, if it's news, it's like a news magazine type thing where it's long form interviews. And it's usually not about like breaking news. It's the, like interviews with, with famous people like authors and singers and actors and whatever. And then they have a lot of like faith-based themed stuff. So I think it just seems like CNN missed the mark with what, people were interested in it's almost like what you're saying dan they just assumed because we're cnn it doesn't matter what the content is everyone will want it yeah um and like i just happened to see a, a tweet so this is from the now former ceo of warner media jason keelar he's he tweeted on launch day uh he said in my opinion cnn plus is likely to be as important to the mission of cnn as the linear channel service has been these past 42 years it would be hard to overstate how important this moment is for cnn and i if you want a tweet that did not age well uh put that at the top of the list yeah well you know chris wallace is probably gonna i mean if i could predict i wouldn't be shocked if they put him in the 9 p.m time slot that chris cuomo has vacated that's yeah. one of the first things they're gonna announce or if sure. they throw him on sunday you know so he he'll make out fine but some of these other people i mean it, it is sad for those who you know were hired or got jobs there and they were all excited and now you know yeah. about 12 minutes after launch they're fired yeah. Well, and the thing too about Chris Wallace is it's it's interesting. Like, let's set aside whether he's like he could be a great journalist. Um, there are a lot of people that like him. He's got a lot of credentials and, and all of that. But the issue with being in such a polarized culture is he came from Fox News, so the left is just not going to like him because he came from Fox. Mm -hmm. And then the conservatives will look and say, "Well, he left Fox, so he's like a turncoat, so they're not going to like him." So it's like, because we live in such a polarized and divisive era, I don't know that he would be pulling in a whole lot of people. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah I think you're hundred yeah, I mean, percent right. And unless maybe, I mean, look, CNN has a chance to right a wrong here and they should do it. They should make themselves what they were before they started in 2015 with the Donald Trump coverage and the Bernie Sanders coverage. And they started down this weird path that really led them astray. They, they need to get back to who they were because it really was an outlet where you could find that middle ground approach. And there are enough people, I think, who want that approach. The problem, to your point, Trey, is that nobody trusts CNN anymore. So they have a bigger right. job ahead of them no, to regain that trust. Yeah, and they're, they're part of the ones who um, really went out. And I we've talked about how the media has sort of lurched into activism versus just regular old bias. I think everybody knew that the mainstream media, particularly CNN, MSNBC, had a liberal bias to them. But in the Trump era, they definitely switched into activism mm -hmm. mode. And like you said, that's eroded a lot of the trust. And so, I mean, who are you targeting with this? If you try to make it newsy, well, nobody trusts the news anymore, especially from CNN. And so if you're going to do that and make it successful, you'd have to make it far left opinion. Mm -hmm. And uh, they didn't seem to do that either. So they just kind of got stuck in this in the middle ground. And that, that never ends up... Uh, that never ends up well when you're trying to move people to subscribe. So, uh, so, but there it is. 
RIP to CNN Plus after only one month in existence. Yeah, short life there. Uh, but anyway, you know, speaking of trust and bias and all of that, that leads us right into our next story, which is the continuing saga between Twitter and Elon Musk, who is now the biggest shareholder at Twitter. He has a 9%, uh, he, has not, he owns 9% of Twitter's shares. So he said this week that he's lined up, he said today or yesterday, that he's lined up $46.5 billion in financing to buy Twitter. Uh, and he's trying to negotiate an agreement, obviously, publicly with the company. And this is just his latest uh, his latest play. Uh, so he uh, it comes after he offered, of course, to buy the company. Uh, and now, according to documents that were filed with U.S. security regulators, uh, he's exploring what's known as a tender offer. Uh, so a tender offer is a, it's a, a, a really just a direct appeal to shareholders themselves uh, to get them to sell or tenders where the, the name came from uh, their shares at, back to or all to Elon Musk uh, at a, a specific price. So that's that's his latest uh, bid. Um, so this is according to uh, a CBN News story. It said the Tesla CEO said Thursday in the documents uh, filed with U.S. security regulators that he's exploring what's known as a tender offer to buy all of the social media platform's common stock for $54.20 per share in cash. Under a tender offer, Musk, who, like we said, owns about 9% of Twitter shares, uh, would take his offer directly to other shareholders. And that would give him the opportunity to then bypass uh, the board, which he, of course, declined to be a part of. Uh, so he's been tweeting, as he has been throughout this whole thing, he's been tweeting recently saying that if he takes over Twitter, he will, for example, get rid of all of the bots uh, that are on that are on the network, which makes me wonder, am I going to be left with like eight followers uh, on my on my Twitter account when all of this is, is said and done. Uh, so it, this is just the latest. It's not a, a long story. It's just the latest in this continuing uh, back and forth between Twitter and the board uh, and Elon Musk. And Elon is, has been getting a lot of, I think, uh, biased media coverage uh, because they're saying that he's trying to force Twitter's hand. He's the richest person in the world and he's going to war uh, with a corporation. Uh, and of course, he's he's promising to be a, a free speech advocate and saying that he wouldn't shut down uh, free speech, which Twitter has gotten in hot water, certainly with conservatives for doing, because it seems like over the last year, two years, at least the last several months, the vast majority of the censorship decisions uh, that Twitter has been making uh, we've talked about this before, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it only goes in one direction. Uh, so I don't know. What do you guys think of this this latest uh, attempt maybe to buy Twitter by just bypassing the board altogether? First of all, I think the board is crazy not to consider this offer strongly because who knows if you're going to get anything better than this in the future. You know, you have no idea, and it's definitely above market value at this point. So they should at least be considering it. So I, I don't know where it's going to go from here, but uh, I don't think they'd be very wise to just ignore it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's interesting because we always say that money speaks the highest, right? Money is what really talks. And it makes you wonder, like, is ideology, are we so divided and so chaotic and so crazy now that there are times where just the principle of what you believe is actually more important than the money and the fear of what could happen if, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, 
there's no way it could be worse than what we've had and what we've gone through here. So, <laughs> well, be careful. Um, you never know. I mean, what else could happen? They just ban every every concern. I don't. I to me, I feel like for for conservatives and for Christians and for people who have been banned, it would probably just be more like a getter situation or one of these other outlets where there's just not as much restriction. And but you know, who knows? You're right, Dan. It could it could get crazier. But but I do think. He seems serious about it. I know a lot of people you, thought it was a ploy. At this point, I think it's a pretty serious push for, and I think it's more about prestige, power, and control probably, but yeah. we'll have to wait and see. I mean, you know what vibes this is giving me, guys, is 2015 Donald Trump saying he's going to run for president and yeah. no one believed him. Yeah. Like, it's not actually going to happen. And I'm not saying that I know what's going to happen with this Twitter deal, but it just seems like it's getting that vibe. Like, everybody's brushing it off as just this dumb thing uh but elon has said he's secured the cash he's ready to go uh, according to the, the uh, court file or the the u.s security document filings uh, it says that musk is seeking to negotiate a definitive agreement for the acquisition of twitter and he's prepared to begin such negotiations immediately uh, so people might be laughing it off but it seems like to your point billy He's serious. He's ready. He's ready to go with this deal. Uh, and I, I just wonder if we're going to have a similar Trump situation where everybody's going to wake up one day and be like, "Oh, I thought he was joking, and now he owns Twitter." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you're. I think you're right. I think you could be onto something there. I mean, he's he's clearly thought this out. I mean, this was like we said. He started purchasing the shares back earlier this year in January, right. I believe, maybe even before the year. So he's clearly planned this out. This is not just a spur of the moment. Ha ha. I'm a. I'm a bazillionaire who has billions of dollars to just throw around i i think this he is, does have that too he does have that too but uh he does seem to be planning this out and so yeah i'm not ruling anything out if i've learned anything from trump winning after it seemed like sort of a sort of a fun thing for him to do and get his name in the media and then all of a sudden here he is the nominee i i think that's a good comparison i'm not i'm not taking anything for granted i'm just gonna wait and see <laughs> at this point yeah all right, well, that brings us to our story about Laura Beth Perry. Recently had a chance to sit down with her, and it's she's got a crazy story. She lived for nine years as a transgender man named Jake, and she took me through her entire process. She went through what we might, what we would describe as a detransition. We don't often get to hear these stories. We don't often get to see them in media. They're important stories to tell, though, because these are people's experiences. It's what she has gone through. And she talked about the fact that she found herself starting to believe a lot of lies. And it started in her childhood. She had a lot of self-doubt. She had families about her, questions about her family. And really, all of these little things that started very young, she started to sort of you know, persist in this, in this self-doubt. One of the big things is her mother's relationship with her brother. She talked about how um, she looked at that and she was kind of jealous of that relationship. She thought her mom wished she had been a boy. And that really set a seed in her that grew. She didn't get along with other girls at school. She started dating men and they didn't treat her well. And she fell into sexual sin. And so she took us through this entire story. And we have a big write-up and a great interview with her on our Prodigal Stories podcast where you can you know, listen to her tell this story. Um, but she came to a place where she found herself thinking, you know what, the reason that I'm never happy is because I was supposed to be a man. That was the thought that started going mm. through her mind. And she had been watching pornography and all of these things were sort of coming together to create this complex fantasy. 
And it was around the year 2007. She had never heard the word transgender before. And she got onto her computer, started searching, and suddenly found thousands of people who felt exactly the way she did, people who went to go and have gender transitions, who were on this journey. And so she decided that she too would begin a new life and started living as Jake. And so she takes us through this. And what's so sad and and crazy about this story is that every step she took toward becoming Jake, she thought, okay, that next step is going to make me feel like a man. I'm going to do this next surgery. I'm going to feel like a man. Um, And so as she was going through that process, recognizing and realizing that at the end of the day, no matter what she did, she couldn't change the reality of who God had made her. And so she really struggled with faith during this time. And there's so many details of the story, um, but just to sort of shorten it so you can understand and go and read it over at Faithwire, she found herself working on a Bible study website for her mom. She wanted the money. She wanted nothing to do with faith. Um, Her parents, by the way, did not bend on their faith. They would not use her pronouns. They told her they loved her. They showed her that they loved her, but they would not bend on what they believed to be true. Um, But they maintained a relationship. So she's working on this Bible website and just to get the money. And it starts to speak to her as she's putting this website together for her mom and the Bible study group. And God starts to reach into her heart and she becomes a Christian. It's this crazy story, but now she's already transitioned, right? She's been living for nine years as Jake. And she said to me, you know, I thought I was going to be a man of God at the time and realized as she read more of scripture that this is not what God wanted for her. And she went on an incredibly complex journey to detransition and to come back from that and really went through so much. She talked about how difficult this was. It was not an easy thing where a switch just went off, how she cried the first time she went shopping for women's clothes, how she thought to herself, I'm never going to be redeemed until I die and I go to heaven and I, and I get my body back. That I'm just going to have to be miserable my whole life. And what's so crazy about her story is that God has totally redeemed her life. She is now engaged to be married. Um, and it's just, it's a crazy story. All that misery is gone. And she's sharing her story to help other people now who have gone through or who are going through what she faced in this gender confusion. So, you know, why does it matter? It matters because a lot of people are going through this right now. These stories are being suppressed. They're not being shared. And, you know, people aren't hearing about those people who, like her, realize that they were being fed lies and that she can live through Christ in the way that he intends her to. And so it's really just a powerful story. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's great to hear these sorts of stories. And you hear a lot about bravery these days. And I think sometimes it's an overused phrase, but you you look at someone like this and I think this sort of story is truly brave because um, culture at large is not um, on board with this. They would, they're going to, they're going to not celebrate her for realizing this and making this choice. There's an agenda and it goes one way. And they say on the one hand, oh, be who you are, celebrate who you are. But when this pattern happens, that's that mantra suddenly doesn't apply anymore. So I I give her great credit for this and for being open about it and sharing it because it's not a message that you know Christians do want to hear it, but culture at large you know, the way that the way it's going right now, they're going to, they're going to shun that and they're going to not be receptive to that. So kudos to her. Yeah. And, you know, from a Christian standpoint, uh, one of the first things I thought of 
um, Billy, when I listened to your conversation for the, the prodigal stories podcast was, um, that this is just the, a perfect example of what sin does in our lives, Mm. right? It's a constant leveling up because it's never enough. Um, so you have to, she had surgeries that altered her body. She did hormones. Uh, she had been looking at pornography. Uh, it just, you constantly, your, your need or your perceived need is never met. So it has to keep, uh, leveling up. Like I said, like if you look at people who are addicted to pornography, uh, the porn that you consume ends up being more and more explicit and a lot of times more vile, you know, whatever, because you, it has to escalate um, in order to meet that need um, because people are searching for identity and they're searching for value and purpose and worth and anything outside of Christ when we're not pursuing the Holy Spirit and we're not pursuing Christ as our our ultimate need uh, and the ultimate satisfaction of our brokenness, when we're not seeing him as the cure and we're running to other stuff, it's never going to please us. It's never going to satisfy us. So we're just going to keep going down that trail, down that trail, down that trail. And it's incredible to see Laura's story um, and to see the grace that God has just lavished on her, uh, not only the mercy uh, by obviously, you know, not not giving her what she deserves, not giving her uh, any of us what we deserve uh, who are believers, but just, I mean, now she's engaged to be married. So there's just been so many graces that God um, has poured on her in her life. And it's just a, it's a beautiful testimony. And I think it's a cautionary tale about the dangers of our own all of us have this inclination towards sin. So it's a, it's a cautionary tale about being aware of that tendency within ourselves. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for the podcast today. And as I think you said earlier, Billy, we've made it. We've done it. <laughs> a weekend is here once again. Da-da-da. This podcast successfully gets you there before anyone else. Not sure that's how right. we do that, but we we do. But we do it. We're awesome. That's yeah. that's that's our story, and we're sticking to it anyway. So, all right, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective, and um, have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. God bless.